Hey everyone, welcome back to the Not So Rare podcast. This is Taylor Lewis here with Liz Beauvais. Today we have a bit of a difficult conversation that we're going to have about self-diagnosis, how that impacts a disease community, and how that impacts the person themselves as they're going through the diagnosis journey. So starting off, Liz, you want to take it away today? Sure. And I think that one thing we want to keep in mind as we're going through this is both Taylor and I had unique diagnosis journeys that took a while and multiple different doctors to get to the diagnoses that we have. So if you're someone that is going through that diagnostic journey, that this is not meant to discourage you from trying to figure out what is going on with your body. Um, this is more meant as just kind of the impacts of giving yourself a diagnosis without having gone through that journey. So I guess just getting started with it. um, I think what would be good is if we preface this a bit with like what our journey has been like getting to that point. And um, so like we've talked about before, we've explained our journey, but I think something that would be important to highlight today to all of you is the the frustration and the feeling of this is taking forever. It can take years before diagnosed with a rare disease because you are put through all of the hoops and all of the testing to try and find a more fundamental, um, you know, regular diagnosis, if you will, that's more mainstream when in fact, like going through the rare disease side of things, you have to like trickle down and funnel down the system in just the right way to get that attention you need to get your diagnosis. And I think I was fortunate enough that the health system that initially um, admitted me and was looking into what was going on with me was a research institution. So they they had experience in rare, they had experience in the unique. Um, so for me, that diagnostic journey wasn't very long, but then finding a doctor to treat my disease was much longer. So so for me, I actually had a diagnosis within about three months of my disease reappearing in my life, um, which at that point, I was then given pamphlets of different support groups to reach out to that were related to the diagnosis I was given. So jumping into a bit of where our thoughts came from today. So um, I understand the frustration in the journey. We get that. But there can be a lot of harm done when um, those who have self-diagnosed are spreading information to a community of people that do have the diagnosis uh, because When you're having somebody who has not been on a treatment intervention and they're talking to somebody who has spent, you know, years on a treatment intervention, we're going to have different things to say. We're going to have different ways that life interacts with our disease. And I think there's part of it where I'm just going to bluntly say some people need to step back and wait until they receive that diagnosis before than giving knowledge to others. I think that there's both a blessing and a curse to having 
community involvement related to rare diseases. Um, I, I really depend on my own rare disease community to get information or to get best tips, things that maybe the doctors haven't even tried, such as over-the-counter um, remedies, um, things to really help, help my pain, help with some of my symptoms and side effects. But the problem lies when people outside of the community have self-diagnosed themselves and really are not going through the exact same situations as the patient community. And that's where I think that there is, there's harm in relying on some of this patient support because if you're not having de- having comments or suggestions from people who are actually on the same medications or actually with the same diseases, you actually could cause harm to yourself without even really realizing it by taking someone else's advice. And I think, too, there's part of it where I feel less willing or wanting to engage with my own community out of fear of getting one false information, but also, too, it's discouraging given what we go through on a daily basis, and it's not to discredit the pain and the experience that those Um, who have self-diagnosed because we know that they're on the journey that we were on. Um, So it's not to discredit their pain and and invalidate their feelings. But when we are such a small group of people already with our rare disease, we need to like connect to those who just get us and that find find ways and interventions to cope with this disease. And then when others without our disease are thrown in, it can be pretty, pretty rough to experience. I think there's part of that. Um, you know, I've been given some advice that my doctors absolutely do not recommend for our disease. And one of those um, is, you know, changing my dietary habits or um, trying more holistic approaches to medication, but that just simply will not work for me. That's not something that would treat my disease. And I think when people are spreading that, that is very harmful to those who aren't engaged and don't have access to uh, the right professionals. I think there's also a mental health impact here. Um, I don't know if Taylor and I have talked about this before. We've we've talked a lot, so I can't remember what we've shared in the podcast or not. But I feel like especially early on with my rare disease doctors, but even still today, there's a part of me that goes into appointments and hopes that they say, you know what, we've had it all wrong all along. The real this really isn't what's wrong with you. It's really just this easy, simple answer and take this medicine and you'll be fine. So so and I, I don't think I'm alone in the rare disease population for wishing that they had something quote unquote normal. So it, it's hard on me when I see someone who hasn't actually had a diagnosis, who's somehow found a given disease and was like, oh, that kind of sounds like me to almost want to be part of that because everyone who has that disease wishes they didn't have that disease. There's part of it where if a doctor is not wanting to see you, if a specialist isn't engaging with you, that's probably for good reason. You probably don't need to see them, but that doesn't mean that you don't need treatment for what you're dealing with. Obviously, there's something going on. Um, 
But our disease primarily is very obvious on imaging, very obvious MRIs, CAT scans, ultrasounds. You can tell if you have our disease or not at this point. And I think that needs to be in the right hands. But I also think we've kind of come a long way where there's differences that are seen and known and just don't apply to our disease and then, um, you know, become problematic. I would love to not have a rare disease, right? Like we created this podcast because we felt alone because there's not many of us. And I think there's part of that that I would do anything to have like a more generic mainstream diagnosis because I know that there's way more access to care. So I think for those who are on the journey for a diagnosis, it doesn't mean that you don't have something rare, even if you don't have our disease. But I think there's part of it that there needs to be a continued push to your doctors for imaging and testing and instead of kind of putting yourself in a category you don't belong to. And I think part of that, too, is being very open when you go in to see a specialist or a doctor. Um, if you haven't formally been diagnosed with something, it's it's perfectly all right to say, hey, I've heard about this. Does, does what I have match that? Is it looking like that? But also being open to listening to what diagnoses they give you as well. Because even if they are not a rare disease specialist, they do have access within their systems to try to try to do research, try to connect you with doctors who might know more. So I would encourage you to have open minds and not automatically assume I have X, Y, and Z, therefore I have this rare disease. I, I think it's important to keep your mind open to what what other diseases might be out there, what other diagnoses might be out there, because sometimes they might have treatment that'll help you in the short term as you're looking to figure out exactly what's happening with you. I also want to add to that I've jumped in a group that hasn't quite been appropriate for me before, and that's the metastatic breast cancer group. And I jumped in there because they're treated with the experimental medication that my disease is treated for. And so I was grasping at straws the same way some people may be for a diagnosis. And my response being in that group was very negative. I didn't get good feedback and I didn't get a welcoming environment because now looking back and understanding it differently, we go through very different things than that group does. Um, I'm not constantly... Well, I do say I have worry about life expectancy, but I'm not on a, a prognosis where I have a year to live and this is the only medication that can help me. Um, I have a much better quality of life probably than some of them. And and I'm still within like a young age versus like they're typically, um, I would say about 35 to 55 in that group, primarily age-wise. And I just think that when somebody doesn't belong in a group where there's such a small number already that do belong in that group, um, it can be inappropriate and it can be difficult to others' mental health when you try and join in. And I think that that's also why when we're putting together this podcast we're not trying to gear it towards one disease or another disease because we acknowledge that everyone out there on this diagnostic journey needs support. They need someone to feel like they have a community. They need some 
something to listen to, something to give a little bit of hope to. So this podcast wasn't designated for a given diagnosis on purpose to allow a community for people who either are diagnosed or working on a diagnosis. Um, That's why you probably, other than in the rare occasion, aren't going to get specific advice from us. Um, Now, we, we have had a couple episodes specific to our disease and have given our feedback on different medications. And those episodes are very unique and different. But for the most part, we want to handle topics that are available to all people going through these diseases and through the diagnostic journey. Yeah. And I do want to plug in a few groups I know on Facebook that are more catered to finding your diagnosis. So the rare disease warrior group on Facebook that I've kind of been following for a long time. I would say it's there's a majority of people that have found their diagnosis, but there's a lot of people on that group since it's a much larger scale, it's rare disease in general, that are kind of like looking for that guidance and help from others in like a larger scale um, way. So I think that group has definitely fit the need of kind of including everybody because you're not going to a specific disease, you're going to an entire rare disease community and kind of like channeling your frustration and asking questions about diagnosis journey and things like that. But I think ultimately, like if you need a place to belong to a larger scale, like that's a good start. But I think fundamentally, it comes back down to getting yourself in that doctor's office. I'll be the first one to admit, I don't like going to the doctors. It is a, I don't want to say a waste of time. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry to my providers, but it's a lot of time. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of, it's a lot to go to doctors and to keep up on your appointments. But ultimately, like, I know that I have to do that. Like that's part of maintaining my care. The same way it was part of finding a diagnosis. It took me almost 10 years to get my diagnosis. And I think when looking at that, I think there's part of it of like, instead of trying to put yourself into your own category, at the end of the day, it's going to be the testing and in the scanning that shows it and gives you some direction. Going forward, um, our hope is for everyone who's going through this diagnostic journey, keep asking questions. Keep asking questions of your doctors. Keep keep questioning if you're seeing the right doctor. Um, work with them to find your diagnosis. And as you're going through that, there are open rare disease groups out there that you can use for support. You can listen to us for support because a lot of our topics will relate regardless of your diagnosis. I think um, maybe just to, to kind of close this, um, Taylor and I have had some different updates in our care and exciting things, I guess, for us um, that we'd like to share because we've been giving kind of plugs on on our lives. Um, one thing for me is related to my back, and I have finally found the right doctor for me related to my back. Um, essentially, I was seeing a pain management doctor, but the facility he was in didn't have the right equipment to really help do some interventions for my back. And although it's probably been a year and a half of me trying to find the right group, but I finally found the right doctor that's willing to take me on and has access to the right equipment. So I'm strangely excited about an appointment next week where um, 
I'm actually going to get an epidural injection to the right spot of my back, um, which actually hasn't happened in the entire time I was getting injections for my back hair. So I'm really hopeful that this is going to help me at least in the short term related to my back. Yeah. And I guess just an update for mine, what I'll say is, um, so I had that appointment where I talked about, I've been on like a dual therapy now. Um, and I think recently, unfortunately, I think I got COVID again. I didn't get a PCR, but I had all the symptoms that I had previously. So it kind of threw me out of whack for a little bit there. I'm on the other side of it. I would say now I'm starting to recover. But before that, I was noticing a lot of benefits of my dual therapy treatment and a lot of improvements in my back pain. With the complex lymphatic anomaly, there comes different gene mutations. So we're finding that the one that impacts my back and my bones is different than the one that impacts my organs, my GI system, um, basically like the internal functioning stuff. So I've been on two different medications that target each of those differently. And it's been positive for me so far. Um, But also like a difficult journey of that too, where even if you have a rare disease, things can be changing throughout your treatment. And that can be a lot too to work through. Another positive that I've had is, and I know we've talked about anxiety of finding specialists, anxiety after specialist appointments. Um, I had met with a new specialist a couple weeks ago and I had a very positive experience in the appointment, but there's always that anxiety of, is this person going to follow through? Am I going to hear from this person again? Is this the right person? And I was really surprised when I got a phone call from them this week that for the past couple of weeks that they've actually been doing research, they've been talking to other doctors and other specialties, really trying to find a plan for me. And so I have a feeling we're going to try a new therapy for me. It's one that Taylor's been on, um, but more on a low dose for me to see if maybe going forward, that'll help me. Um, It raises some anxiety of, is this the right decision or not? But after all the research she's done, it seems like it's something worth a try. So um, that's also something that's going to be coming down my way after I do another round of egg preservation. Other positive updates going on. I would say even with being sick this last couple weeks, um, they were pretty brutal on me, to be honest. It was a rough couple last weeks that I found um, – coping skills that didn't involve heavy exercise or didn't involve like I've talked about before my previous coping skills that I felt were the only ones that I had. And so I've been branching out more, finding new things that work for me and work for my body when I'm not feeling good. And I truly feel like it's kept a lot of my anxiety under control through this time. Um, I've talked about my crafting. I talked about video games. Um, And even just like hanging out with my dog has been really healthy for me and coping through this time. And if I were to tell myself three years ago that you'd be crafting as a coping skill, I think I was crazy. So um, there's been a lot of improvement there. And I think that I'm proud of finding those things that work for me. It took a long time to get going on that journey because exercise has been such a big part of my life growing up. Um, 
But now that my body has been changing with my disease and my needs are different and sometimes it's better for me to lay on the couch than it is to do anything, um, I am happy to know that I'm doing something productive and enjoyable while I'm getting over my illness. Yeah, Taylor, you've been crafting up a storm. Um, She sent me a picture yesterday where she had set up a crafting table next to her couch, which I thought was both sweet and slightly concerning. Um, But what's great is that she can craft, but be around her family and be around her dog, still watch her favorite shows, um, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, my husband, we got the Hogwarts alumni game on Friday. So he's been like obsessively playing that since Friday. And I was like, well, I don't want to go in like my office crafting space because it's like kind of away from where they are. And right now he's at the academy, so he's only home on weekends. So I'm trying to be as present as possible while also like enjoying our things together, which is fun. Um, And then Chewie's just been lounging per usual. <laughs> so, so everyone, thank you again for listening. I hope that those of you going through the diagnostic journey are able to find find your support, find what you need from your medical team. Um always feel free to listen to us, reach out to us if you want support as you go through this journey because we we know it can be rough. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Not So Rare podcast.